uh, sit down now and take out our Bibles, and we'll read uh, four verses. The first verse is Psalm chapter 110, Psalms 110, and verse 3. Okay, Psalm 110, verse 3. Okay. How about as soon as you have this verse, stand up and read it. Or if you know it by heart, all those who have it, just stand up and let's uh, declare this verse together. And the rest of you, you can say amen. Okay, ready? Set, go. Themselves willingly in the day of your warfare, in the splendor of their consecration, your young men will be to you. Okay, how about one more time, but everyone else who's seated, let's give them an amen. Okay, stronger amen. One more time. Ready? Go. Amen. 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 Good. Okay, how about all the brothers stand and read Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16. Very familiar verse. Let's stand up. Read, the, read this verse. Sisters, give them a good amen, okay? Colossians 3.16, starting with let the word. Ready? Go. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and grace in your hearts to the Lord. Amen. Okay, then sisters, you read Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. How about also you stand up and declare this verse. Philippians 4.13. With a strong spirit. Ready? Go. Amen. One more time. Brothers, give them an amen. Go. How about sisters? One more time. All the sisters, stand up. Release your spirits. Okay, ready? Set. Release. Amen. Good. Okay, then the last verse is Mark 16, 15. How about we have all the young people, junior high and high school and college, you stand up and read this verse. Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. Starting with go, right? Go. Ready? Set? Go. One more time. One more time. Go. Okay, how about now, let's uh, turn off our cell phones just for the next hour so we can pay full attention to the speaking of our brother. And let's also pray with our neighbor, two by two. Okay, let's give, open our hearts to the Lord and give this meeting to the Lord. Okay?
Wow, this is really good. Yeah. We can have a gathering of nearly 900, probably over 900 young people coming together from all over Southern California. What's going on? Okay. Over 900 young people coming together from all over Southern California. What an amazing thing. I'm just uh, sitting here and wondering, uh, the Lord has been mysteriously, quietly forming an army. And I'm just so happy, so happy to be here. You know, I'd like to tell you that it's been maybe over 12 years since we had an all Southern California young people's meeting. And we had no idea how many would come together if we were to do this. We had 850 chairs set up and we're already filled up all the chairs and there's many more outside and in other places. So we're probably quite close to 900. I think the next time we do this, we should have a thousand. What do you think? This morning, the junior hires, this morning and this afternoon, we've been having a junior high gospel perfecting conference to help all of our recently baptized junior hires and those who are still in the seventh or eighth grade. When they go to their new school and they enter into their new situation, they could have some perfecting on how to share the gospel with their friends. We don't want to go to our schools in a passive way. We really want to go in a prevailing way. Tonight in this meeting, we'll use a little bit of time for some sharing, and then we'll set up the mics and would like to hear from many of you, your fellowship, your burden, your speaking. So as we're going through this outline together, please consider what you would share. This is not just me sharing. This will be for all of us. The title of our fellowship tonight is called The Need, The Lord's Need of Young People for the Future of the Recovery. The Lord's Need. My As I considered this, I felt this is a heavy subject. You know, always we like to talk about man's needs. In fact, this morning we had a session that focused on man's need of salvation. But tonight the meeting isn't about us. It's not about our need, our need for joy or peace or satisfaction or happiness. Tonight, what we'd like to do is we would like to talk with you about God's need. Can you believe that, that the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the universe, he spoke into being that God himself would have a need? This is quite a marvelous thought. Yet we just sang this song in this godless age, Lord, you need You need. Has it ever crossed your mind that we are in the most privileged position among all of mankind throughout history that we could be the ones who could meet the Lord's need? How wonderful that on the cross, as he was bleeding and dying there, he met our need. His dying love paid the price for our salvation. How sweet, how lovely, how precious, causing us to just love him, love him. And now after we've believed in the Lord, he's called us for his purpose. We sang that song. Now we have a chance. We have an opportunity to do something for him that would meet his need. Ponder that for a moment. Lord, is it true, is it possible that at this time, in this age, at this moment, 
you would call us. And we would have this incredible privilege of being able to do something for our Lord that would meet his need. The title goes on, The Lord's Need for Young People. And this is crucial. The Lord doesn't have a need for old people. It's specific. Young people. It's not that the old people are useless to the Lord. But whenever God wanted to do something, whenever he was about to have a change, when he was going to turn the age, he always underscored, bold, highlighted, always chose young people. This is his wisdom. Young people are young, they're free, they're unoccupied, they're not set, settled and occupied, they're not entrenched in some philosophy or some culture or way of life. Young people are free to think new thoughts and to take a new way. And this is why the young people are so precious to the Lord. I can tell you that I have been serving with the young people for many, many years now. I began when some of you, your parents were junior hires. And I can testify with a clean conscience before God and men that I love young people. I'm here tonight because of love. I believe that this is a tremendous opportunity. And I would like to fellowship from the depths of my being how we as a group of young people could meet the Lord's need. As I was sitting here listening to the singing and just enjoying, I I just feel it is such a blessed thing that we could use this meeting hall. Besides the training center on Ball Road, this is the largest meeting hall in Southern California. Almost the only hall that could host this kind of a meeting. And it is strategically located just about central for all of us. Praise the Lord. I hope we can come back here again uh, pretty regularly uh, for some fellowship. Then it says, the Lord's need for young people for the future of the Lord's recovery. Let's just read through this outline a little bit and I'm going to make some comments maybe mention some things, but I hope that you would focus, stay, stay, stay with me. I hope we could, uh, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not going to do a a song and dance routine, but I'm going to do my best to minister something to you all. Okay. First of all, we're going to talk about the Lord's recovery, recovery. We grew up with these words where these words are common. The Lord's recovery. This is the Lord's recovery. You might wonder, is this our name? Sometimes we heard this talked about. This is the recovery church. Recovery is not our name. The Lord's recovery refers to the Lord's move at this time. For about 600 years, the Lord has begun and has been carrying out his recovery. Roman 1 says the word recovery means that something was there originally and then was lost. How sad. Thus, there is a need to bring that thing back to its original state. Do you know that every time God tried to do something, Satan came in to damage, destroy it, and cause it to be of no use at all? Even the original creation was ruined by Satan. So God had to come in with a recovery to recover it. Even with God's people, the children of Israel, after the highest peak, the temple was built. God's people were enjoying unprecedented joy and satisfaction with God's house, the church, the Old Testament type of the church. Then degradation came in. And eventually, the nation was lost. They went into captivity. Everything was gone. The city was gone. The temple was destroyed. The land was was lost to God's people. 
God needed then to do a recovery. In the New Testament, it was the same. Think about the day of Pentecost, the glory of the day of Pentecost. But then soon after that, problems came, division came. Now, the history of modern Christianity is a history of division after division after division. It's a tragic, tragic story. But about five to six hundred years ago, God began to have a recovery. And so over the years, God has been recovering this, recovering that. Eventually, about a hundred years ago, he began specifically to recover the church and the church life through Brother Watchman Nee. And that began a great change because once there was a group of believers meeting on the ground of oneness, God had his temple back. Now there is a place where God can pour out his blessing in an unprecedented way. So what the Lord has been doing for the last 90 years has been recovering all the details, all the final points. We'll get into it a little bit as we read through this until we are at the point where we are today. This recovery has been advancing. After Satan's destroying work, God came in to redo the things that he had done before. That is to bring back whatever has been lost and destroyed by God's enemy, Satan. Recovery means the restoration or return to a normal condition after a damage or loss has been incurred. Actually, every time the Lord took a step of recovery, it was better. It was higher. It was stronger. It was purer. You know, we were just praying a minute ago. I had this kind of feeling. I don't know if there's ever been a gathering of 800, 900, 1,000 teenagers that have gathered for the specific purpose of meeting the Lord's need. Has there ever been a meeting? Not in, not in America, maybe in the Far East. This is unprecedented. This is marvelous. We're here for Him. We're here for the Lord. Are you here for the Lord? We're here for the Lord. So let's touch a few of the points. You know, John the, John the, uh, the Apostle John, he, he, he wrote that which was from the beginning. His whole burden was to bring the church back to the beginning. When the question of marriage came up, the Lord said, from the beginning it wasn't so. When they were talking about divorce, he said, no, no, no. You have to go back to the beginning. The Lord always wants to recover his testimony back to its original, pure kind of state. So let's look at three, three main things that the Lord is recovering today. The Lord's recovery is the recovery of Christ as our all in all. Christ is everything. He's the preeminent one. We give him the first place in everything. This is the recovery, is to recover Christ as first. Is he first in your life? Oh, Lord, tonight we just declare, Lord, you're the first. We love you with our first love. And we're here to do the first works. And we're here also to give you the first place. How about in our school year? New school year just began or is about to begin how about we let him be the first? Lord, you be the first in my studies. You be the first in my relationships. My, that would be a great recovery. Teenagers giving the Lord the first place. Has it ever happened? How about this is the Lord's recovery, the recovery of Christ as first. Seek first his kingdom. Many years ago, as a teenager, I was pursuing the Lord, loving the Lord, and then the Lord called me. He showed me the church, and then he said, seek first his kingdom. This caused me to leave everything 
and follow the Lord. First, maybe tonight we should ask ourselves, what's first? What's first? Friends? Friends first? That guy or that girl first before God, before the Lord, before the Lord Jesus? Popularity, fashion. Tonight we're here to declare Christ is first. With us, Christ is first. He's the preeminent one. Not only that, he's everything to the believers. He's, He's everything. Oh, what does that mean? My, it's quite all inclusive, huh? He's our divine provision. That means he's our bread. He said, I am the bread of life. We have that song, I am the living bread, huh? He's the water. He's the river of water of life. We eat him. We drink him. He's the living air. We breathe him. He's even our rest and our peace. He's the divine provisions. He's our power. Power to live a Christian life. We read that verse. I can do all things in him who empowers me. How do you be a Christian on campus today? You know, we have these shirts, Christian students. Maybe that's how we do it. But to be a a believer in front of others, in front of our friends, how do we do that? In him, the empowering one. In ourselves, Christ needs to be recovered within us as our power, our wisdom. Our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Everything. And he's everything to the church. He's the head, head of the church. He's the body of the head. He's the cornerstone. Do you know the cornerstone? Look at, look at, I wish you could see what I see. What you see is Asian, Hispanic, American, whatever, whatever Americans are, black, everybody. Who holds us together? How is it we could be together and not fighting? Is it possible? Where in this world can the races come together? How? Christ is our cornerstone. He joins people together. This is real, saints. This is how we get along. This is how we love one another. In the world, it's impossible. But in the church, the house of God... My, we enjoy Christ as the cornerstone. Joining us with people that we would not normally be joined to. Point three, or point two, the Lord's recovery is the recovery of the oneness of the body of Christ. He prayed that we would be perfected into one that the world would see. This is visible oneness that convinces the world. This is the Lord's recovery. When I was young, I was in the denominations. I began to talk about the oneness of the church, the oneness of the body of Christ. And the Christian leaders told me it's impossible. Not until we get to heaven will Christians ever be one. But I heard another voice. It was the voice of a little Chinaman that had come from the Far East. And he was telling us, one city. One church, one city, one church. I got it. I got it. I have to be one with every believer. I have to be one with the believers. It's not right that believers would be divided. I began to speak and I got into trouble. I got called into the pastor, to the leading deacon to be questioned as a high schooler. I wasn't a co-worker or an elder. I was one of you guys. One of all y'alls, as they say in Texas. How about that? This is the Lord's recovery. This is what we're in. This is what the Lord has brought us into. The oneness of the body of Christ. Marvelous. And the third thing, the Lord's recovery is the recovery of the function of all the members of the body of Christ. Young people, are you functioning according to your measure in the body of Christ? 
You might be a young member. You might be a new believer. Maybe not baptized that long ago, but every member can function. Even the little ones can function. Babies can function. And we might be babies in Christ, but we have a function. And we all need to be recovered into our our function. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about your function. How you can serve the Lord as a member of the body of Christ. This is what the Lord's recovery is. The recovery of Christ is everything. The recovery of the oneness of the body of Christ and the recovery of the function of every member. That means we brothers cannot rest until all of you are functioning, living out your function, serving, serving in in the body, in the meetings, on your campuses, preaching the gospel, shepherding the, the new ones, bringing your friends to the meetings. Oh, that's marvelous. That would be so beautiful, so awesome. So let's go on to read Roman 2. Roman 2 says, the future of the Lord's move and the spreading of the recovery is altogether dependent on the next generation Here it is. The Lord needs young people for the future of his recovery. The Lord's recovery is spreading and will spread at a good pace. There will be churches in all the major cities, in all the leading countries on the earth. If during the coming years many young people are perfected, if during the coming years many of all y'alls young people will be perfected. The Lord's recovery will spread at a rapid speed. When I got onto this point, the Lord reminded me of a verse. It's in Romans chapter 9. It's verse 28. I'd like to read it to you. You know, we always like to try to figure out when the Lord will come back, how much time is left. And although you might try to figure this out, you might come up with a year or a date or some kind of future time. Let me read you what the Bible says. Verse 28, chapter 9. For the Lord will execute his word upon the earth, accomplishing it and cutting it short. Whatever day you think, it'll be sooner than that. The Lord wants to cut short this age. This age has become quite evil, very, very evil before the Lord. Even in 2 Peter 3, Peter says, expecting and hastening the coming of the day of God. To hasten the Lord's coming is to speed it up. We're not here to slow it down. We are here to speed it up. How about it? He will execute his word upon the earth, accomplishing it. And cutting it short. A says, I read that already. B, we could say that virtually everyone used by God to begin a new thing or chosen by God to turn the age was a young man. If you see this, you will treasure the young people before God. Young people are so precious, so precious to God. Point C. How about we all read point C together? There must be a group of young people who are saved to receive proper spiritual help today so they can gain the experience and be used by the Lord in the future. If there are no young people gained by the Lord today, after our departure, there will be no one to succeed us. I love the utterance, there must be. There must be. You should underline, circle, there must be. There must be a group of young people saved to receive proper spiritual help today. Right now, today. I'm so happy, so grateful to the Lord. Many of us were in summer schools of the truth this summer. Maybe just finished in the last week or two. This is to receive the proper spiritual help so that they can gain the experience and be used by the Lord in the future. 
there are no young people gained by the Lord today. After our departure, there will be no one to succeed us. Then there will be a gap. I'd just like to testify to you a little bit as a young man many years ago, loving the Lord. I was touched by him very much. And I began to talk to my friends. I taught them how to call on the name of the Lord so that I would have a companion at my school. You know, at my school at that time, there was no, no other church people. I was the only, only young brother in the church for hundreds of miles. So what I did is I found my closest friend and he got saved. I taught him how to pray read so I had someone to pray read with me. I taught him how to call on the Lord and we were calling very loudly in those days. We would pray on the bus. We were both on the baseball team. As the team bus was driving out to the schools where we were playing, we each brought our Bibles so that we could enjoy the Lord together. He never came into the church life, but he's devouring the ministry. He contacts me regularly. I'm having breakfast with him at Mimi's in Irvine on Monday, my best friend from high school. How many years later? 40, 43 years later. You see, There needs to be young people starting in junior high, starting in high school. Traditionally, we waited till they got to college. But we, this is too late. This is too late. Our junior hires. Did you enjoy your time today in the junior high gospel perfecting conference? Amen. Junior hires, yeah? In the church life, you could receive the proper help, the perfecting, become very useful. One time, I, was, I told you I was on the baseball team. I was uh, playing shortstop. I wasn't really that good. I wasn't nimble, you know, like a shortstop should be. But I was out there. It was late in the game. We were winning. And I was calling on the Lord as the batter was up to bat. And then a... A routine ground ball hit right to me. Easy out. Put down my glove and it went right between my legs. Out into center field. Two runs scored and we lost the game. Knocked us out of first place. I was going to the dugout. All my teammates were mad at me. But my brother, the one I taught to call on the Lord, he was a center fielder. So as he ran up to me and we ran off the field together, I said, you know, I was just calling on the Lord when that happened. He said, praise the Lord. <laughs> Lost the game, but I gained Christ. Amen. Do you call on the Lord when you play? We need experience. We need those kind of experiences. So the brothers gave us four or five points, how to be prepared, how we could prepare ourselves, how we could be perfected. If I was sitting there where you're sitting and I heard that we could meet the Lord's need, that the Lord needs young people today and that he's coming to call us to meet this need. And I realized, man, this is within my reach. This is within my grasp. An opportunity, unprecedented opportunity is right now presenting itself to me. I would want to know, how do you sign up for this? How do you get onto this? How could I be in this? This is what, this is what Brother Lee told us. Number one, we must pursue and grow in our spiritual life. Earnestly maintaining a living fellowship with the Lord fully consecrating ourselves to him and having proper dealings with him, 
To be the Lord's overcomers, we must love the Lord and grasp the opportunity to love Him. The first point is, young people, you have to grow. You have to grow in the Lord. This has to be serious. This means every day you have to come to the Word. Really. Enjoy the Lord. Call on Him. Pray to Him. Breathe Him. Confess. Proper dealings. But most of all, we have this marvelous verse that we read from Psalm 110. It says, Your people will offer themselves willingly in the day of your warfare. Young people, there has never been a day of warfare like today. The tide of this age has become absolutely unbearable. The culture, the social norms has been, is everything has become against us. This is the day of God's warfare. You can't go to school in a passive way. If you go there, you will be swallowed by it. You have to go as a warrior. And the way to become a warrior is to offer yourself. Your people will offer themselves willingly. They volunteer for this. They seize the opportunity. They grasp the chance. In the day of your warfare, in the splendor of their consecration, that word splendor is the adornment. It is beautiful. To God, when young people, or any people for that matter, would give themselves to meet the Lord's need in a condition of warfare, this is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. I don't think there's a higher thing that, as young people, we could do except to offer ourselves to him. He said, your young men will be to you like the dew from the womb of the dawn. When he says that, you know what he's saying? He's likening himself, God, to a a little flower that is dying of thirst, very thirsty. And the consecrations become dew, become watering, refreshing dew to him. How wonderful. Number two, we must be equipped in the truth. First point is we have to grow in life. The second point is we have to be equipped in the truth. We need to get, we need to read and get the word into us, get ourselves into the word so that we may be mingled with the word. We need to build up a good character. You know, from the time I was little, my parents made us read the Bible. Actually, you know what my dad did? He, uh, he had a whole library full of books, spiritual books. And he wanted us, his children, to read the books. So he would put a, a dollar amount inside the book. Ten dollars. You read this book, I'll give you ten dollars. But every morning at six o'clock... He walked through the house and he flipped on the lights and he said, time to get up, time to get up. And we knew what that meant. That meant we had gathered in the living room as a family to read the Bible together. I have been getting up at six o'clock every morning, nearly for my whole life, because that's how it started for me. At that time, I hated it. Oh, I wanted to sleep. Young people love to sleep. But today, you don't know how much I treasure my father's way. Even before I was old enough to read, I was like first grade. I'm sitting out there. I don't even know how to read. I had a little Bible and a, you know. Then I could start learning how to read. And so I'd start sounding out the words, you know. And so I needed help. That's where I learned how to read was Six o'clock in the morning. At 5764 Avenue 400. 
Dinuba, California. <laughs> 93618. Anybody here been to Dinuba? Oh, yeah. We need the word. This is why we read that verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I know some young people, they, they developed a habit of reading the word. This is precious. The Lord's word will never become vain to you. It will always operate. Point three, we need to build up a good character. We need to exercise to build up a character that is useful to the Lord. You know, when we come to this point, I just would like to talk to you a little bit about your testimony at school. When Brother Lee said we have to build up a character, he's talking about building up a proper, upright kind of testimony before men. How we conduct ourselves, how we talk to the teachers, how we uh, carry out our responsibilities. We have to have the highest standard of humanity. The whole age today, so degraded. Everyone cheats. Everyone steals. Everyone lies. But there has to be at least a thousand young people in Southern California that don't lie. They don't cheat. No, they don't do that. They're not like the others. Not proud, but we're not like that. We're honest, upright, proper people. We have an uplifted humanity. We take care of our responsibilities. The Lord needs young people like this. This is what, as young people, this is the kind of thing we should build up. Those kind of things, habits, proper habits that would constitute the best, highest character. You know, sometimes when we talk to the parents or the trainees, we use an illustration like this. You know, there was a time in the Philippines when Brother Lee went to visit a a uh, textile factory. And he went there because a brother owned it and was showing him around. And he saw these big tanks, vats full of dye. And he watched how the various textiles were being dyed and how they, how they came out after they were dipped into these various tanks. And he noticed something very interesting. He noticed that when the fabric, the textile, was a very coarse inferior kind of fabric it was put into the dye and it came out with one kind of an expression and then there was another kind of fabric the most expensive finest Chinese silk then they put that into the dye and when it came out it was so bright he said you know there was no difference with the dye the dye is like the Holy Spirit it's like grace. We all enjoy grace. We have the Holy Spirit. The difference was in the fabric, was in the textile itself. Our character is like that. Our habits are like that. Our behavior is like that. I was in the UK and this, the saints were telling me how in the schools, the students revile the teachers in front of everybody. I thought, wow, what if there's a Godman in that class? What if there's one of ours, one of our teenagers, and instead of reviling the teacher, he spoke with respect. Good morning, Mrs. Brown. Wow, that teacher, you know what? That teacher would get saved. Where did you come from? What planet have you arrived on, from? I never saw young people like this. They said they went to McDonald's and the young people, after they finished eating the, the paper and the leftover food was piled up on the, on the table. They just walked out. Just like that. And people are waiting for the tables and there's this mess on the table. And they, they looked at the sister as, as they were walking out with a kind of a smirk on their face. We don't care. We don't care. You know what? This, this is humanity. But suppose... There's a young brother, young sister. They clean it up. They pick it up. They have a different kind of humanity. They have different kind of habit. They live a higher life. 
eventually everyone knows. They will see this. They will notice this. This will matter to them. And then when it comes to the critical things, the sinful things, the immoral things, the immorality today is so, so terrible. The temptation is so prevailing. But suppose there's young people that say, no, no, I refuse. I'm not going to do that. I don't do that. I'm not that kind of a person. I'm a believer in Christ. I could never defile my holy body like that. Not that kind of liquor, not that kind of drugs, not that kind of sex. No, I'm a God man. I might not be a very good one, but I am one. My body is for the Lord. I gave myself to him already. This age is a tremendous, powerful current. If you're just a dead stick, you're going to float with the current. There's no choice. But if you have the living Christ in you, you can swim against that current. That's humanity. That's character. Tonight, I'm telling you, young people, you have to have the highest character, the highest testimony. Sometimes I heard this kind of expression. You know, it's a famous expression from an old Catholic, I think. Said something like this. Preach the gospel, you use words if necessary. Have you, I don't know if you heard this. Please don't say that. That's, you have to use words. Preach the gospel with both your words and your living. Highest standard, highest standard. We're not proud. We're not proud. We love all kinds of people. We love all men just like the Lord Jesus. He died for them. We would too because we have his life in us. But we're not like them. We cannot be. We've been sent into those schools to rescue those perishing ones. So we need to build up a good character, exercise ourselves to build up a character that is useful to the Lord. The verse is, I can do all things in him who empowers me. Point four, we need to, re- we need to receive a higher education. All the young people must get a college degree, study more diligently than the secular students, get the highest grades and go on for advanced degrees. I don't know what to say. Maybe there's no need to say anything. But the young people need to be the best students. Top students. It's not not enough just to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Although that's marvelous. You need a clear mind. You need to learn how to study. You need to know how to speak the truth clearly. All of this is perfected within you as you pass through your education. The Lord will use that to perfect you. Eventually, you could become so useful to the Lord. All right, let's go on to point D. According to our experience and observation, the young people need to be exercised in the spiritual activity of going forth to bear fruit. The easiest time, easiest time for Christians to bear fruit is when they are young. We are living in a time of great opportunity for the young ones. Whether they are in high school or college, it also includes junior high, they have many classmates and roommates. If they do not take this opportunity to infect their friends, there is no better time. Brother Lee used this word, infect their friends, because he was using a verse from Acts where they were talking about Paul and his co-workers as pestilent people. Pestilent meant they were very contagious. They had germs all over their bodies. And whoever they touched, they got the disease. And that disease was Christ. Everywhere they went, they touched people and they got sick with Christ. It's a negative expression, you know. But a very positive picture. Paul was this 
very contagious man. Anybody that got within hearing distance of Paul would get the disease of Christ. Do I dare say that? I'm not sure. They got sick with Christ. Wow, what if we had 850, 900, 1,000 young people contagious with Christ going to the schools all over Southern California. You know what they said about Paul? They said, the man that has turned the world upside down has come here also. I think we need to turn some schools upside down. We could do this. Look at the army. We turn Southern California upside down with Christ. Christ is our peace. Christ is our rest. Christ is our joy. Christ is our food, our drink, our, our satisfaction. Christ is everything. Brother Lee said, this is the easiest time. You think it might get easier when you get older, maybe when you go to college, or maybe, oh, after you go to the full-time training. All you have to do is ask the trainees. It's not easier. It's easiest in junior high. And then it gets a little harder in high school, but not that hard. And then after that, people get stuck in their ways, not that open. Today, high schoolers are much more sophisticated than the college students were 20 years ago. Today, the high schoolers are independent, free-thinking. We should be able to catch many, hundreds, hundreds. Point one says, oh, I read that already. We want to encourage the young people to consider. So tonight, it's a night for you to consider and plan to lead many people to salvation in the coming year. How wonderful we had a meeting like this a year from now, and we had 2,000 here. We each just got one. 2,000. We are branches of a vine, and a vine tree bears clusters of grapes. You know, you never saw a vine tree that just put out one grape. That would be a real sick vine tree. You'd cut it down because it was so terrible. It puts out clusters. Have you ever counted how many grapes are in a cluster? This was, oh. Not just three to five single grapes. There is no easier place to preach the gospel than at school. And there is nothing more precious than preaching the gospel to a fellow classmate. When so many young people are gathered together, it is very easy to infect them with the gospel. If the young people can lead clusters of young people to salvation, who then lead others to salvation, thousands of young people will be saved and loving the Lord in eight to ten years. This is not a small thing. I hope they, that's you, would grasp this great opportunity. You know, tonight I just would like to maybe finish by telling you that the call for Christians, for believers to preach the gospel comes from four directions. Do you know the first direction is from the ascended Christ on the throne in the heavens? Right before he ascended, his last command to his disciples was to go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the nations. Concerning geography, all the world. Concerning race, all the nations. This was the Lord's word. This is the call from the heavens. Go, go. And you know what? For 2,000 years, there has been some very faithful ones who have answered that call. They went to Africa. They went to China. They went to all the nations. Do you know there was a group called the Moravian Brethren in the 1700s? They came together and they were in one accord and they were greatly blessed by the Lord. And they began to pray 
according to that verse. And then they began, they set up a, what they called a prayer tower. They built a prayer tower. And they had people praying around the clock, 24 hours a day, from that prayer tower for the whole earth. Probably some of your families were the answer to their prayers. They continued that round-the-clock prayer for 100 years, from 1728 until 1828. They were the unique group that sent out the most missionaries to the whole earth. Today, the Lord is spreading to the Middle East, to various places, to Europe. He needs young people for this. How about we answer his call? Lord, send me. I remember as a young man, send me, Lord. Would you honor me with such a great privilege that I could serve you like that? The second call. You won't believe this. The first call comes from heaven, from the ascended Christ. You know where the second call for us to go preach the gospel comes from? It comes from the section of torment in Hades. You can never believe this. In Luke 16, there's a story about a rich man and a man named Lazarus. They both died. The rich man was in the, in the section of torment in Hades. And Lazarus, the poor man, was in the pleasant section in Abraham's bosom. He was being comforted there. And the rich man could see across a great chasm that was fixed. He looked over and he saw Lazarus there. And he asked Abraham, he said, Abraham, would you mind sending Lazarus over here? Have him stick his finger in some water and then bring his finger over to me and put it on my tongue. Because I am in torment in this place. And Abraham had to tell him, sorry, there's a great chasm fix. There's a big valley, a big gap between the pleasant section and the section of torment. And no one can cross over. But the story doesn't end there. Then this man, this rich man who had it all in his life, the cool kid, the athlete, the one that was successful, the ones that you wanted to be like, there they are. And then he asked Abraham for a favor. He said, would you please send Lazarus back to my father's house. I have five brothers. Would you send him so that he could go and tell my brothers about God's salvation so that they will not come to this horrible place? Young people, do you realize that every person who died without Christ is in torment? And every one of them, if you could hear them, they would beg you. Even the Muslims, even the, those people, even the unbelievers, the atheists, maybe they're the loudest. They would say, would you please go tell my, my brother? Do you realize there's this call? You can't quite hear it. But if you touch the spirit in Luke 16, you will realize that everyone who died without Christ is hoping beyond hope, praying beyond prayer, that you and me would go to their friends, to their relatives. Isn't that amazing? The second call. You know, the third call is an irresistible call. It's a cry from within our own being. Paul said, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. It's a stewardship. It's a solemn responsibility. God saved me. He saved me. I owe, I owe him so much. I owe him everything. And there's this thing inside that says, you know, you've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to tell him. Paul said, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. I owe an unpayable debt. That's the cry from within. And then fourth, in Acts chapter 16, 
one night, Paul had a dream. And it was a dream of a man from Macedonia, that's Europe. And the man just said this. He said, come over here and help us. Come over here and help us. The next day, Paul and his co-workers went to Europe to preach the gospel. Do you realize that while all of your friends, students, classmates, teachers, administrators are so caught up in the busyness of their life, many of them are in anguish within, suffering unspeakable loneliness. They could put on makeup, put on a happy face, go through the cheers. But within, if you could hear them, they would say, would you please come over here and help me? Just help me. A call from four directions. From the heavens, from Hades, from within, and from every unbeliever on this earth. The Old Testament speaks of Christ as the desire of nations. He's the one everyone wants. They just don't know it. They think it's Obamacare or they think it's uh, handouts or they think it's food stamps. They, it's not. It's, it's Christ. He's what they want. He's really what they desire. Let's read Roman, um, Roman 3 all together. When we preach the gospel, we must have the spirit of the gospel. When we have such a spirit of the gospel, we spontaneously have a proper attitude toward the gospel outwardly. For such a spirit. Well, tonight I'm going to stop here. Maybe it would be, it would be really good if we could pray with our neighbor for a minute and then... The brothers are going to put up the microphones. I think they'll put them right here on both sides of this stage. If young people, I surely hope there would be some who would have a burden to say something. We have maybe 15 or so minutes. A number of you could share something. So let's pray with our neighbor, okay? And then we'll stop.